Good morning, everyone. Isn't that exciting when Pastor Dan said that? I was sitting down there listening to him. The 22nd, we're going to be able to see one another. Wow, 10 o'clock a.m., and it's going to be an exciting time, full worship. It is going to be an amazing time. Invite your friends, invite your family. It is going to be wonderful. Well, let me say something else, too. Today is Wednesday. We are filming for Sunday the 15th, which is today, as we are celebrating and getting in the Word in a moment. But I want to just allow us to recognize our military, recognize everyone that served in the military. Veterans Day, it is 11-11. We celebrated also the Marines' birthday. Thank you for your service. We esteem you highly. We bless you today for sacrificing a time of your life, a season in your life to serve our country. You are a blessing. Let's pray and let's allow ourselves to move into a realm of something that is very dear to my heart, something that is an, it's a huge passion in my spirit. We're going to talk about healing today. Father, I thank you for all our veterans. Bless them. Charge in them how we esteem them highly and we are proud of them. In every effort that they gave, wherever they served, whatever time frame it was, blessings upon blessings upon them. As we get in the Word of God, we choose to allow your Word to be truth and not to be offended in any area of our life. And we give you honor for that in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, in the blessed life, the kingdom of God brings healing and health. This year we have seen Satan's forces attacking the world, but specifically, I have seen it attack the church all around the world. As we have contact with people in many different nations, I have seen the attacks on the church and especially some leadership. The enemy has shut down the church to try to end our agreement. But we still stand in agreement that the word is truth. And by the word of God, we live our lives. How we speak, we speak the word of God. The enemy has wrought such disgusting corruption in many specific areas of our country also, even in our politics. And we need to pray. We need to move in a realm of prayer over our nation and over our world. He has tried to promote evil and then attacked, again, as I said earlier, specific leadership, but, notice the word, but God has a plan 
and he will heal our nation. He will remove sickness and a virus from among us. Why do I know that? The answer is found in the book of John, chapters 5 through chapter 9. No, we're not going to study all those chapters today, but we're going to move into a deep realm of God's heart regarding healing found in John chapter 5. So let's begin by reading the first verse, John chapter 5, verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews. Now, this feast is the feast of Passover. It's Jesus' second one that he celebrated while in ministry. So let's read again verse 1, and let's uh, just see what, is, what happens here. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, notice that, a pool, which is called in Hebrew, Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, and paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time, notice certain time, into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? Notice, Jesus asks a question. Do you want to be made well? Let's continue. Verse 7. The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another sets down before me. And Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed, and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed? He answered them, He who made me well said to me, Take up your bed and walk. Then they asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk. Verse 13 is very important that you hear what he says. Verse 13, but the one who was healed did not know who it was. For Jesus had withdrawn a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. The man departed and then told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. 
Very interesting story. So many doctrinal things have been described of this scripture. So many people speak about this scripture and say many different things. But let's just get down to the brass tacks of what the story is all about. First of all, this man did not know Jesus. But later, he said it was Jesus that made him well. Now, in this story, I want to show you there are some parallels in the story that remind me of the church. Some or most good, but some in a bad way. And we're going to discuss that because what we are experiencing in the United States of America and in the world today is an attack of a virus that wants to steal, kill, and to destroy. So let's look at the background of the story now. And as we look at the background, we're going to begin to see some of the ramifications and or the parallels of the church. The story took place in Bethesda. Bethesda means house of mercy in the Hebrew. That is the church. We should be a house of mercy. We should be the most merciful people on earth and with our actions and our words show it. But in a bad way, the church can be the most critical and the most judgmental people in the world. So the question is, why should we be merciful? Here's the answer. Because you and I, we all have received mercy from God. Forgiveness of our sins. How God gave us a plan. How God gave us a calling. And at times, even we've been disobedient of that calling, but God's mercy was there. He patiently waited for us to come back to him. Because our God is a forgiving God. See, this is where the pool was. In the house of mercy, Bethsaida. Now, most theologians believe, and when I went and saw the pool with five porches, you could see the depth and the length and the width of the pool. The pool was 360 feet long, 130 feet wide, and was 75 feet deep. And that is really close to the size of Noah's Ark. The pool reminds me of the church because it also states that there was a sheep gate there close to the temple. In the natural, what they would do is for the sacrifices, they would bring the sheep for the sacrifices through that sheep gate that was close to the temple. So why the church has a gate where you enter and you are the sheep of God. The Bible says, my sheep 
hear my voice, and that the Lord said, I am the shepherd. So, (laughs) by the way, this is kind of my personality. By the way, if you're a goat, (laughs) all you have to do is accept Jesus Christ as Lord, then you are a sheep. Another reason it reminds me of the church is the pool, remember it says it had five porches. It's where the sick could lay and get out of the sun. So each porch that was in different levels, that was close to the pool, they could lay there and stay out of the sun. That's probably where this gentleman was laying most of the time. But let me show you the correlation of that, why I believe it's like the church. The church has what Scripture tells us, a five-fold pulpit ministry or offices. You find you have the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. And what they are is a spiritual covering. And it's so comforting if you believe that. But in many instances in the world, in a bad way, and sometimes in the church, that people become offended with the church and they remove themselves from the covering of these fivefold pulpit offices where God gives wisdom and insight and encouragement and leads them into areas where maybe they don't understand as well. So again, these are just symbols that I'm talking to you about, but they are symbols of truth. And we have to continue to look at this, and that's why I've been a little bit lengthy in describing a background or the essence of that the the pool to me represents the church. And what the church is shows us literally what happened in the pool when the healing manifested because we are a house of mercy where healing in every area of our life should be manifesting while we have services and also as we leave the church and go to our homes and everywhere we go that we can bring ministry of healing to everyone we come in contact with. The next symbol is not in a good way. It says they were waiting on the moving of the water. Let me just bring something to you, not in a condemning way, but to show you the heart of God and how God wants us to think and how God wants us to recognize who he is in our life and how he wants to bring divine health in every area of our life. Sometimes the church is waiting for the move of God. In case you don't know, God has already moved through the work of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ went to the cross and your salvation, your forgiveness and healing is already done. What we are to do is to begin to know who God is, know his heart, and begin to walk in this amazing 
revelation. God in his son, Jesus Christ, has already moved or done all he needs to do. So what we must do is just receive it. Jesus on the cross even said, it is finished. So church, church family, oh, I can't wait till the 22nd. Let's not wait on the next move of God. Let's start it with our lives, with our belief, with what we say, how we pray, how we minister to others in mercy and forgiveness. In other words, we or you are the move of God. When you take the word of God and what the word of God says, you don't have to wait on God. God is waiting on you and me to take the word and move. John 5, 4 says, an angel came down at a certain time. Let me explain that. Some manuscripts, when translating, didn't have the scripture in their translation. But some did. So watch what it said. Instead, when they translated it, some didn't, but most translated this scripture or wrote this scripture down. Instead of saying an angel, the writing said, the angel went down. The angel went down. In the Old Testament, when it says the angel of the Lord is talking about Jesus. So if the angel of the Lord, Jesus, who heals, came at a certain time, he came around the feast, the Passover, and when we need to understand regarding the church, there are some or more than some who have been in the church a long time and have never changed, and they're in the same condition because they don't realize who is our healer. His name is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. He is the one that purchased it. He is the one that that literally took stripes on his back and was ripped apart and was beaten and was chastised and brought healing for you and for me. The Bible here in the story says there were blind and there were lame and paralyzed. Let me bring it to today. How many people are paralyzed by fear, paralyzed by worry, and paralyzed by insecurity? Emotionally overwhelmed. How many people are lame? Not walking in the spirit, but the lust of the flesh. If I'm double-minded, Scripture says, I'm not going anywhere. I can't be double-minded. I can't say things, well, you know, in this world, yeah, in this world, there's sickness and disease. But be of good cheer, Jesus said, I've overcome the world. How many blind people are in the church? Many, many scriptures tells us Jesus healed all our diseases. And many, many people 
just don't see it. Sometimes people's religious system won't allow them to believe the Bible. That's called spiritual blindness. What am I talking about? Where maybe you were raised in a, in a system of religion that didn't teach on healing, that didn't teach on that it is for you, that, that Jesus Christ went to the cross, that Jesus Christ was beaten. Maybe they said you just got to get used to what goes on in your life. I'm telling you, the same thing happened with this guy that Jesus, <clears throat> I want to say, had mercy on, but also that Jesus confronted. And I'm not trying to confront anybody. But I'm, what I'm trying to do is in mercy, cry out to you, almost in a sense of begging you to believe that Jesus already has done the work and has given you the answer to believe. The Bible says we have eyes and cannot see. So blindness can be caused by pride. It's kind of like the story, and I've used this example before, but you know, it keeps happening to me. I kind of, it's kind of like looking in the refrigerator for the ketchup. I can't see it, and I say, Terry, we don't have any ketchup in the refrigerator. And she says, honey, it's there. No, I don't see it. Do we have some in the cupboard? She walks up, she opens the refrigerator, and she points and she says, honey, it's right there. Or you look in the cupboard for something. Honey, do we have this? She says, honey, it's on the second shelf on the right side. And she points her finger and she says, honey, it's right there. But I didn't see it. You know what? I think it's magic that my wife has that ability to just walk up to the refrigerator, walk up to the cupboard, and point her finger, and all of a sudden, boom, it's there. <laughs> she says, honey, you have eyes, but you can't see. It's all over the Bible. Every story you read of healing, it's there. We just need to see it. Thinking about the story, Jesus walks up to the man. And that man's been there. The Bible tells us he's been there 38 years. So he's pretty well got used to what's going on in his life. He's pretty well just kind of just sat there and said, oh, one day maybe I can get in the water. He's waiting for a miracle. And Jesus asked a kind of funny question. He says, do you want to be made well? Well, he'd been there 38 years, Jesus. Of course he wants to be made well. That's unnecessary. Hmm. Or was that question necessary? Was it pertinent for that day? Was it exactly what Jesus Wanted to say because Jesus knew where the guy was? You know what's so amazing about the question? The man didn't answer yes. 
The man didn't say, of course, Jesus, I've been here 38 years and I believe. He didn't say yes. So that's why Jesus asked the question. Here's my question. Do you want to be healed? Again, this isn't condemnation. And we do live in a fallen world where there's sickness and disease. Do you want to be healed? Do you want your life to change? Do you want your finances to change? So here's the question. How much effort are we, are you willing to put into that part of your life to change? Let's go back a little bit and what Jesus did. And also let's go back to the story and kind of explain why this man gave the answer that he did. But understand this, church. Jesus will never be whipped, beaten, or ridiculed for your healing again. He's done the work. I believe if Jesus asks the church today the same question, I believe that many or some would not say yes. So let's find out three reasons why if Jesus asks the question, do you want to be made well, many couldn't say yes. First of all, here it is. You ready? First of all, excuses. John 5, verse 7 says, The sick man answered him, Sir, to that question, Do you want to be well? I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. He said it wouldn't work and gave a reason why. No one helps me. No one cares, or the church doesn't care. Matter of fact, I called the church, and no one called me back. Hmm. You know what I say to that? Then call the church again. If we make a mistake, or your friends make a mistake, or your husband or your wife makes a mistake, ask again. What effort are you going to put into it or you're just going to back away and blame someone else or blame how you were brought up or blame something why you are not healed? I want to tell you, stop being offended. Oh, it has destroyed so many homes. Offense. Or stop looking for a reason to be offended. Sometimes you just don't need to meet with a pastor, which is good because God set it up for us to pray and to teach and to equip. But sometimes I just need to meet with Jesus. I have peers, I have, I have spiritual fathers, all these different things, but sometimes I just need to meet with Jesus. Have a Jesus moment. We say, I believe Jesus heals marriages, 
But let me tell you why it won't work for me. That's a lie from the pit of hell. It'll work for you, but what effort are you putting into it? I believe God changes finances, but let me tell you why it doesn't work for me. It works always with the power of God. But what effort are you putting into it? Hmm. Here it is. Second reason is effort. It's going to take effort to get better. This man was going to have to change his life. He has been living the same type of life depending on everyone else for 38 years. He would, if he got healed, he would never go back to the pool again if he said yes. Saying yes means he was going to change. He was going to change the environment, change of friends, change his schedule, and he would finally have to go get a job. See, that's the reality. Fear crawls all over us. Because when sickness and disease, when poverty, which is a curse, comes against you and flies after you, we must understand that we must set our heart to change and move. God, what do you want me to do? I believe you. You are my healer. I am healed in Jesus' name. But what do you want me to do? I believe this guy knew all the choruses to sing. But here's where I would have been. This is kind of how I am. If I was having a problem and people were getting in that pool before me, you know what I'd do? You know where I would live? I don't care if it was in the sun. I would lay right next to the pool on the edge. And as soon as I saw that water moving, <laughs> I would roll in. I'd roll in. I'd beat everybody. Because I want to be well. I want to see my grandchildren get married. I want to live the long life that God promised me in health. Well, hopefully that's you too. How much effort are you willing to put in, in to change your life? The church of OSL, we pray on Sunday morning on the phone. We need to forgive those who have hurt us. I lived my life as a pastor, and I want to tell you, I could be offended a lot because people say things to you. People do things to you. You at work, where you're at, how you were brought up. Maybe your father left you when you were young. Maybe you were rejected by your siblings. Whatever's going on, you cannot be offended. Let go of fear and insecurity. Let go of self-pity. Look at your diet. How are you eating? Look at your, what you say in your life. Have you in your life for years just keep running yourself down and keep speaking negative about you and, and, and everything in your life? Maybe you keep rehearsing 
the mistakes you made when God says, forgive and move forward. Forgetting those things which are behind and press towards the mark of the high calling of God. When you hear God, you step up a level. You move up a level. You get great effort in things. I'd like to say self-pity is a familiar spirit. That it becomes so familiar, you think it's God talking to you, when literally it's a demonic force that is telling you negative things about you, and then literally you're going to die. We need to give great effort. Even it could be that you need to go against your spiritual upbringing that told you that Jesus doesn't heal, that told you that tongues are not of God, that told you that prosperity is not of God, that you need to be humble and walk as a poor person. We need to be humble, but be humble because we see who we are compared to God. But praise God, he has given us all that we need. So rise up. Take up the bed that God gave you and walk because you have a part in this too. Well, let's close with the third. It's ignorance. I'm not talking about stupidity. It's ignorance. This is when you do not know who is talking to you. They ask the layman, who was this guy? I don't know. He just told me to take up my bed and walk, and I did. And it happened. Yay. Let's look at John 5, verse 12. And Pastor Dan is going to come up and pray for you because I've spoken the word. I've encouraged you. I've literally gone strong in an area in your life. And we're going to pray. I want you to stand and, and believe. Lay your hands on that area and just begin to, to ask God to forgive you if you haven't believed, if you uh, haven't given any effort to that and just said, oh, well, this is my lot in life. And you just didn't get in the Word. You stopped getting in the Word. Remember last week, I talked about how sometimes when, or it was a couple of weeks ago, we talked about an attack. It is when there's an attack, we're just running, 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 trying to fix a problem instead of getting in the Word of God and going into the spiritual realm, getting into our prayer closet. John 5, verse 12 says, Then they asked him, Who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was. For Jesus had withdrawn a multitude being in that place. Get in the word and pray daily. Know the heart of God. Know God's heart. Well, you know, people say, well, you know, God has greater wisdom. Yeah, he does. He's smarter. Yeah, absolutely. He's God. He created the heavens. 
He created the earth. But we, we, we say, well, you know, God, wait a minute. He's already made that decision. He sent his son to do this. So what does the Bible say is truth? Not upbringing. Not what some blog said. Not what some video you pulled up or a friend sent you. What does the Bible say? Well, because what the Bible says, I say to you, be healed in Jesus' name. Walk in the confidence of what God has planned for you. In Jesus' name, bless all that are seeing and hearing my voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Dan. Thank you, Pastor Gary. That was awesome. As I was listening to uh, Pastor bringing this uh, wonderful word about healing, uh, just so appropriate for where uh, what the Lord's been really dealing with me in the last, uh, actually about the last month. And uh, the Lord's just taken me, uh, wanting me to move up to a different level of uh, in, enjoying the Spirit of God and coming into His presence more. And uh, I actually, uh, there's a scripture that the uh, Lord led me to, to really look at a new depth in it. And it's Romans 8, 11. It's one that I've known for a while. It says, but if the Spirit who dwells in, the, the Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body through his Spirit who dwells in you. Of course, that word mortal body is talking about your flesh and blood body here on the earth. It's not talking about the body that we'll have one day when we go to be with Christ in heaven. It's talking about your earth-bound body, this body. It actually, in the Greek language, it, it actually means death-doomed, that which is subject to earthly uh, laws on the earth. And so the Spirit of God wants to give life to your mortal physical body that you have right now and it's through his spirit who dwells in you i've had four uh healing miracles and i'm not talking about healings that just uh, are progressive i'm talking about right now one minute you're one way and just boom something happens and you're completely changed completely different i've had four miracles like that happen connected to praying in the spirit and uh, just two of them happened when I went, I was worshiping in the Spirit, praying in the Spirit. And I'm, when I talk about praying in the Spirit, I'm not talking about three minutes. And I'm talking about taking some quality time, getting before the Lord, and where you are worshiping God, singing in the Spirit, worshiping in the Spirit. Uh, worshiping isn't always singing. It's declaring. It's uh, and just where you bring out and you're just praying in the Spirit with your focus on Him. Not just being mechanical, but your focus is on the Lord where you enter into what Jude 20 talks about, uh, your highest faith, your most holy faith. And I had two of those where I worshiped, prayed in the Spirit for a while, Went to bed with the sickness, the way I, no change. Woke up the next morning and I was completely, completely healed, completely different. 
And uh, one was just this week. And uh, so I want to encourage you. You've got, if you're born again and you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I guarantee the Holy Spirit is dwelling on the inside of you. I want to encourage you if you are uh, dealing with sickness and disease. And, you know, sometimes we, we listen to that and we think something that's life-threatening that, you know, you need to be healed right now. We have a lot of people in this world that have learned to live with arthritis. They've learned to live with diabetes. I mean, we have different medicines, different things with diet, everything else that Pastor was talking about, to where they can continue to live a pretty good quality life and yet still have that malady within them. Uh, the Lord wants that to be eradicated out of your life. So I would encourage you, if you are spirit-filled and you have your prayer language, you speak in tongues, I would encourage you to set some time aside daily and start off small, you know, with something 15, 20 minutes, something like that, where you're praying in the spirit, and then you can build up from there and be led by the spirit as to how long you need to pray in the spirit. But uh, it really is about communing with the Lord and tapping into him. When we pray in the spirit, we are actually tapping into spiritual law. We're tapping into the kingdom of God who is within us. Can I say it this way? Uh, maybe a good way to say it would be kingdom dynamics. I like to use the word kingdom physics, that we're actually tapping into these laws in the spirit, and the kingdom of God is within us now. Luke seventeen twenty one tells us that. And so when you begin to pray in the spirit, you begin to spend time. You say, well, I don't, I, I don't pray in the Spirit. I don't, I don't speak in tongues. Well, get before the Lord in the Spirit of grace and begin to worship Him and love on Him and ask the Lord for your spiritual language. Expect Him. Uh, you don't have to have somebody lay hands on you. You can just simply, I know many people in this church, when I was teaching in OSL, and told them, next week we're going to have a laying on of hands and you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And they got baptized in the Holy Spirit during the week. They couldn't wait. And they just asked the Lord for it. Well, he's the baptizer of the Holy Spirit. And he brought that spiritual language into their life just on a one-on-one -on -one basis between the two of them, between the Lord and them. So I'd like to encourage you to reach out to that. When we pray in the Spirit, we're tapping into those kingdom laws. And that spiritual law will always supersede natural law. And so, and that's because Romans eight eleven. if the spirit who dwells in you, who raised Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal body through his spirit. And so we have been given so much as the body of Christ. There's so much that's given to us. I mean, it's the kingdom of God is as big as God himself. It's endless. You'll never tap it out. And it's something that we grow in, but we need to be pressing. And, you know, I heard uh, somebody mention an old, old, old saying from antiquity, way back to Aristotle's day. And it's a saying that says, nothing comes from nothing. Isn't that simple? But it's this old saying, nothing comes from nothing. Well, that's true within the body of Christ. You can be saved going to heaven and then not press into the deeper things that God has for you. When these things exist all along, they've always been yours. It's almost like somebody putting a billion dollars in your bank account. 
It's there. You know it's there. It, it's there. But if you don't go to the bank and you don't do, make a withdrawal, you'll never enjoy the benefits of what's been given to you. You have to. I love what Pastor said. There's some effort that you're going to have to put into it. And to just sit back and wait for things to manifest, you're going to have to relate to God, press into him, and use your faith and take hold of what's been given to you. I guarantee when you do that, when you press in and take some time with the Lord, you will uh, be a recipient of the grace, that deposit of the kingdom life that's been given to you. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your healing virtue, your healing power that's been given to us. Lord, each one, as we've been talking about the baptism with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues, Lord, I ask for those who desire that this morning, who are listening to this broadcast and saying, I want that gift. I want that given to me. Lord, I come into agreement with them now. I come into agreement with you, Heavenly Father. And I thank you for touching them now. And, a, and bringing forth this tremendous gift. If that's you, just begin to worship the Lord and praise him. Just worship him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Focus on the blood. Focus on the cross. Focus on what he's done for you. And just begin to worship him. Oh, we praise you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. Now, as you begin to sense something coming up inside of you, just let those words. You'll have to use your mouth. Yes, you'll have to put some effort into it. You'll have to use your tongue. And just let those words, they may sound silly in the beginning, but just let them begin to bubble up. Jesus said, out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. And he was talking about the Holy Spirit. Let's praise him. Thank you, Lord. Oh, we worship you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. Now switch over to that language. It's starting to come up on the inside of you. Oh, we praise you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Jesus. That's right. Just let that go. Yeah, trust the Holy Spirit who's in you. That's right. Begin to verbalize those words. Begin to come you may only get two or three little words, little syllables. That's okay. You've got it. You've got it. That's right. You've got it. Now go ahead and during the week, begin every day, just get before the Lord and begin to let those three or four words come out. And trust him that he will increase your Holy Spirit language vocabulary. And I guarantee you, it will grow as you begin to exercise this gift. And it's wonderful because as you hear, as I was praying, I went from tongues and then I went to English and then I went back to tongues again. I did that on purpose because I wanted you to see that you control it. This isn't something that when the Lord puts it on you, it's just the the Holy Spirit doing this and you have no control over it. You absolutely, it's your prayer language. And you can use this prayer language wherever you are because it bypasses your mind. That's right. You're not going to understand what you're saying. It's, It's a heavenly language. And so you can, I'm at the grocery store sometime and I'm walking down the aisles and I'm, my mouth is just going, I'm just whispering under my breath. My eyes are open and I'm shopping, but I'm praying in the spirit. I'm driving my car and I'm, as I'm driving, trust me, don't close your eyes when you're driving your car. But I keep my eyes open, but I'll just, I'm just praying in the spirit as I'm driving. And so I'm continually 
when I go on walks, I'm praying in the Spirit. When I'm here in my office, oftentimes I'm working on my computer, I'm praying in the Spirit. And so I love to keep that life of God flowing because it's the life of the Spirit within us. And we can tap into this life, and it will be a great blessing to you. Jude 20 says, uh, talks about the... um, But you, beloved, building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. That word building up in the Greek language actually means house builder. Isn't that awesome? Well, this body is my house here on this earth. I am the spirit on the inside. I have a soul, my mind, will, and intellect, and emotions. But I live in this body. My spirit is in this body. This is my house, my earthly house. Paul called it a tent. He also called it the temple that the Holy Spirit dwells in. And so sometimes our house, like a physical house, needs repair. And so this is the beauty of praying in the Spirit. It not only gives you confidence and boldness, brings revelation to you and understanding to you, but it will also bring physical change for the good to your physical house. It'll bring repair to your physical house. Isn't that a great word? House builder? Oiko de mayo. I love that word. And so this is one of the benefits that will come as you begin to pray in the spirit. You'll notice more vitality, uh, more energy, and you'll notice uh, more of the love of God flowing in your life. And you'll just notice that your calling that God has for you will also begin to uh, be accentuated. Come to a greater understanding in your life. So uh, God bless you. And for uh, praying today, I rejoice with you as you've received the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And we are standing with you as your church family for your healing. We look forward to seeing you on November 22nd. And if you were baptized with the Holy Spirit today, please come up to me and, and just say hi to me and let me know that you received and you're walking in the newness of life that the Lord has for you. Uh, God bless you this morning. We'll see you on November 22nd.